Welcome back to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, practical tools to improve your mood and quality of life. We are continuing to discuss dialectical behavior therapy skills, specifically interpersonal effectiveness. In this section, whoops, we started at the wrong place. So we're going to go back because we're down on segment seven. All right. So again, welcome to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, practical tools to improve your mood and quality of life. We're continuing with dialectical behavior therapy skills, specifically interpersonal effectiveness. In this segment, we're going to explore why relationships are important, identify ways to develop new relationships, and explore the necessary actions to maintain the ones we already have. I had thought about not broadcasting this one live. However, this topic seems to be coming up more and more in a couple of my groups and on my Facebook feed. So I figured, why the heck not? We'll just go ahead live with it and the recording will be um, available to you when we're finished. Relationships are our greatest buffer against stress. They can be our greatest stressor, but they can also be our greatest buffer. The first relationship we need to develop is the one with ourself though we need to know who we are what we want what we like what we bring to any sort of relationships and to the world in general your relationship with yourself is characterized by self-esteem that means feeling good about yourself self-respect self-explanatory and self-compassion being respectful of the fact that you're not going to be perfect you're not going to be 100% all the time. You're not always going to be on your A game. And having as much compassion for yourself as you have for other people. Relationships, whether it's with yourself or with other people, require attention and a clear awareness of what you want, need, and expect in that relationship. So it's not something you can just get into a relationship with somebody and go, okay, let's just fly by the seat of our pants and see where this goes. If it's an important relationship to you, then you need to know what you want it to look like and what you want to get out of it. It's important to make full opportunity of any opportunity to interact with other people. Sometimes you'll meet some really awesome people in places you never thought. Sometimes you'll meet some people that you don't get along with so well in places you never thought. So just be open to interactions and be open to other people. Generally, you're going to want to interact with people who share similar interests and generally respond positively to you. You're not going to want to go into a situation, in most cases, where it's going to be adversarial and argumentative, unless that's just something that you really enjoy. But for the most part, we're going to focus on identifying places to find people with similar interests who will probably respond positively. So let's start by looking for people with similar interests. First, you've got to know your own. What do you like? What are you interested in? And I'm going to go over the temperaments really quick because it's so important. There are other videos that I've done on temperaments and relationships. But when you're finding new relationships and interacting with other people, it's important to understand that we are different. Believe it or not, there's a yin and a yang in relationships. Introverts and extroverts are at two opposite ends of a continuum. One's not better or worse. They're just different. It's like sunlight and darkness. Um, the introverts tend to think before they speak. 
they tend to prefer smaller groups they tend to get stressed out when there's a whole lot of people around they tend to be contemplative they're not antisocial they just do better around smaller groups of people extroverts on the other hand are your performers they're people who talk it out as they're thinking they're the people who enjoy being around large crowds and actually draw energy from other people so when you're forming friendships if you tend to be an extrovert other extroverts are going to like things like going out to noisy restaurants and clubs and musical events and things where there's a lot of people and kind of chaos and a lot of energy introverts are probably going to like smaller gatherings if we're talking about um like 12-step groups they're going to like step studies more than big group meetings if we're talking about um books um what's the word for it book clubs a lot of introverts like book clubs a lot of introverts like small clubs where people get together but it's only like four to six it's not something really huge my hiking group I don't think we've ever gotten more than like six people to go on any one particular hike so that wouldn't be very overwhelming for an introvert so paying attention to what your friends like and it doesn't mean that you can't be a friend with an introvert if you're an extrovert it just means you have to be conscious of the activities that you choose together to choose things that meet both of your needs sensing versus intuitive and this is kind of the way that you look at the world sensing people are focused on facts and they think if it ain't broke don't fix it they just want to keep things going smoothly intuitive people we're your dreamers we always think that there's a better way to do things and we just need to figure out what that is we can be more efficient we can be more effective we can be more something we like to look at opportunities and that can drive a sensing person a little bit batty if they like to maintain the status quo just being aware of that if somebody who has lots of big ideas and gets excited about a lot of things tends to stress you out be aware of that in the things that you do and the company you keep um, and finally judging and perceiving this is in general how we handle time and I don't know why they chose the words judging and perceiving but judges tend to be more structured I am like pegged out on the judges scale I don't like spontaneous things I like to know things at least 24 hours in advance I hate having last-minute changes in plans and that's just how I work I love routine I love knowing that Sunday is laundry day and that's what it's going to be there's not going to be surprises somebody who's perceiving that would drive them nuts because they thrive on spontaneity they know that the laundry needs to be done but they'll get it done when they get a chance so if you're in a relationship with someone who has an opposite way of handling time that you do you need to learn how to compromise so ultimately when we're talking about temperament like i said it's not better or worse it's just different and learning how to compromise and make something that is mutually agreeable for example um, like i said i'm a planner so whenever we go out and do anything as a family i know that the third saturday of every month is the day that we're going to go out and do something as a family now i don't have to know what we're doing because i can put it on my schedule that the six hour block is reserved for family time that gives the spontaneous people in my life the ability to figure out what they want to do that will fit into that six hours um, that's how we work that's how it works for us but figuring out what works for you
So when you're thinking about similar interests, you also want to think about personalities. Work on conversational skills. A lot of us really suck at making small talk. So mentally rehearse asking open-ended questions. So instead of saying, did you have a good day? You could say something to the effect of, tell me three awesome things that happened today. Or if you, instead of saying, did you like the movie? You could ask, what was your favorite part of the movie? That gives the person an opportunity to add their opinions or their thoughts to the situation. Whenever someone asks me a yes or no question, I figure that's what they want, a yes or a no. They don't need me to elaborate. Um, and that always got me when I was in college writing essay questions because I'd write an essay and I'd have it completed in three sentences and I'd be like, okay, what else do you need? And it took me until the latter part of graduate school to learn how to just add a bunch of gibberish. Um, anyhow, Rehearse asking open-ended questions. If you know you're going to go out on a date or you know you're going to go to a party or you're wanting to start improving your relationship with your significant other, think to yourself, what are some open-ended questions I could ask that might open a dialogue? And try to stay away from anything that's too controversial or touchy at first. Identify two things you can make small talk about. I encourage my kids when they're doing their lessons, they're both homeschooled, and I encourage them to find two things in the news that they're going to bring to the dinner table each day that we can talk about. And it doesn't have to be anything huge. It can be gossip from Entertainment Weekly, or it can be something from international news. But what I want them to do is find something and practice making small talk. Find common ground. If you know your interests, that's great. Maybe you can try to figure out how those mesh with someone else's interests. Um, I love trail running, one of my favorite things in the world. And one of my best friends likes rock climbing. Well, I'd never been rock climbing, and he wasn't much on trail running. But both of them involved being out kind of in the woods and at some of the similar parks around here. So we were able to talk about, well, have you been to such and such park? Skillfully self-disclose. Now, this one can be really challenging. If you fear abandonment, if you have low self-esteem, if you need to be in a relationship, then you may feel stronger feelings than someone else does initially. And if you give too much, if you share too much too fast, it can be overwhelming to another person. So first, consider whether you have strong feelings for that person or strong feelings for being in a relationship. They're two different things, because a relationship can be with anybody, or is it that person in particular? But then also do what we call reciprocal self-disclosure. If they tell you about their childhood, you know, where they grew up, you can share the same thing. If they start telling you, you know, about their day at work, that seems to be an okay topic. And you share on a similar level. You don't want to start telling them all the nitty-gritty about your childhood trauma or whatever happened um, that might be overwhelming to somebody that you don't know very well. So be careful on initial self-disclosure because that gets a lot of people, especially these days because we're so used to being online, and people self-disclose a whole lot more online than they would ever self-disclose in a face-to-face -face situation. So pay attention to that. The medium is a little bit different. 
play it tentatively and by ear at first. Once you're in a relationship, you got to keep it going. And one of the acronyms for that is GIVE. Be gentle in your relationships. Try not to attack, threaten, manipulate, judge, sneer, smirk, eye roll, or name call. Um, think about having a teenager in the house. I always do. My daughter says that her eye muscles are the strongest muscle in her body because she rolls them at least 300 times a day. At least she's self-aware. Anyhow, so when you're interacting with other people, try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Try to be compassionate and gentle. If it's an unhealthy relationship for you, then you may need to leave that situation. But when you're in it, it generally doesn't help to attack someone. Appear interested. Technically, be interested. If you're in a relationship, the hope is that you're going to be interested in the other person's wants, needs, desires, experiences. So actually listen, not just uh-huh while you're scanning through the sports page or what your Facebook or whatever it is. Women do it as much as men. So, you know, don't, don't think I'm saying one gender does it more than the other. We're all guilty of being distracted. Pay attention to nonverbals, not only theirs, so if they're closed or if they're open or if they're excited, but also yours. If you're listening to somebody and so suddenly you start closing off and kind of looking down at the ground, that communicates to them that you're not interested. It may not be that. You know, I know I have a bad habit of doing that. Forgive me. If I've got to pee, if somebody's talking and I'm like, I really got to pee, um, I tend to get disinterested because I'm looking around for a bathroom. Um, more information than you wanted to know. So back to that self-disclosure. Anyhow, um, but be aware of what you're communicating to other people about your interest level and what they have to say. Maintain eye contact. Now, not boring to their soul eye contact, which can be really freaky, but don't be looking around at everybody else in the room and the squirrel outside the window. Be present. Pay attention. Make eye contact. You know, you can look down occasionally, but, you know, try to be involved. If you start feeling that you're getting really excited or really angry or really upset about something, just something really, try to unhook from your emotions and step back into your rational mind where you're more the scientist and the observer and go back to just listening to what the person is saying without assigning emotions to it because you need to hear everything they say before you can have a clear idea of what your emotion or your emotional reaction really is if you've ever read some of those posts on Facebook that people do on April Fool's Day and everything else, you'll start reading through it and it sounds devastating and you're just like, oh, but if you keep reading through it, they're just like, oh, April Fool's. So you got to pay attention through the end before you have your emotional reaction. Validate is the V in keeping relationships. So reflect back what you're hearing. Validate to the other person that you're paying attention. Now, you don't have to parrot them. And start everything with, so what I hear you saying is, because uh, that gets old. But periodically, summarize what they've been saying. Ask a question to clarify. That way they know that you're still with them. Pay attention to what's not being said. If they're nodding or shaking their head, if you're talking to them, and my mother does this, if you're talking to her and you're saying something she doesn't agree with, she'll just start shaking her head and she'll get this look on her face. And you're like, oop, crossed over into a no-go zone. Backing up now. 
So you can read a lot from people. She won't necessarily say anything, but you can read a lot from their facial and physical expressions. Um, if your arms are crossed, that's generally a closed posture, but it can also mean that you've got, you're cold or uncomfortable in some, for some reason other than what the person's saying. Uh, paralanguage are aspects of communication apart from speech, such as pitch, tone, and speed of speaking. So y'all can tell when I'm doing live presentations because I tend to get a whole lot more animated and a whole lot more active, and I tend to speak faster. Um, and that's just the way I am. I've tried to slow it down some, believe it or not. Um, however, when I get excited, that's what happens. My um, Garmin generally thinks I walk three miles when I'm teaching because my arm movements are so big. Go figure. Facial expressions are another thing to pay attention to. If somebody's smiling or frowning or making this, it looks like they just sucked on a lemon face, it's something to pay attention to. Also, sweating or blinking more. If somebody's telling a lie or they're getting uncomfortable, they may start fidgeting. Just pay attention to all those things. Your interpretation may not be correct, but if you're getting a sense that they're communicating something, it may be time to stop and check in and go, is this making you uncomfortable or, you know, what have you. When we go through Counseling 101 training, you know, our first semester counseling class, we're taught to give what they call minimal encouragers. So when you're talking to someone and you truly are interested, lean in towards them a little bit, smile, make good eye contact, periodically shake your head like, yeah, I'm still with you. If you watch um, politicians, they've got this master. Politicians are really good at controlling their nonverbals. So watch some old tapes of things and see what they're communicating through their nonverbals that they might not be saying through their verbal expressions. Another part of validating is understanding how the other person's reactions and thoughts make sense based on their past and present. So while you may not agree with them, while you may not share the same opinion or the same reaction, it may make a whole lot of sense based on their past experiences. Not that you're right or they're right or either one of you is wrong. It's just each other's reality. Acknowledge the valid. And if it's something that you don't agree with, you can acknowledge that I hear that's your opinion or that's your experience or however you want to phrase it. And treat the other person as an equal, not as a fragile, incompetent person or as someone who's domineering. You don't want to cower, but you also don't want to walk all over people. Be interested and treat people like you want to be treated. There's a concept. And have an easy manner about it. You know, conversations and interactions, unless it's a job interview, are really not supposed to be that stressful. So go into it. Smile. Have a good time. If you are relaxed, the other person's going to be more relaxed. When you're in relationships, you also need to be mindful. So you want to use the acronym GIVE, but you also want to be self-aware of your vulnerabilities. So if you are irritable, if you're in pain, if you're sick, you may be acting towards people differently than you normally would. So be aware of how you impact people. And what you bring to the situation. I mean, sometimes you may bring skills and tools and enthusiasm and creativity that nobody else brought to the situation. So be aware of that. Sometimes 
your presence may be intimidating in a situation. So be aware of that too. When I was working in uh, the treatment center I worked at in Florida, you know, periodically my staff would need to get caught up on their um, case notes or something. We had an audit coming up or I just wanted to and I would take over groups for a little while. Not in the middle. I would start the group, but I would let them stay in their office, get their paperwork caught up, and I would do groups. And the clients would respond differently when I was in there than when they were in there. Not necessarily because I was all that much different than they were. I mean, we were all licensed clinicians, but because I was the director and I held a position of power, if you will, um, in the treatment center. And, you know, I could make their lives miserable if I was that malicious. So I tended to have a different or inspire a different reaction from people. It's not that I was trying to, you know, I'm pretty Southern. I tell everybody about times when I was knee high to a grasshopper and I don't see myself as intimidating, but I have to be aware of the fact that in certain situations I can be perceived that way. So be aware of that. If you're, you know, a parent and you're talking to a bunch of kids, or if you're a supervisor and you're talking to employees or whatever, be aware of what you bring to the situation in terms of not only who you are, but what you stand for. Be aware of how others impact you. You know, sometimes you'll be in situations where it's just overwhelming. There's just constantly. I used to periodically uh, volunteer in my son's preschool class. Wow, I have so much respect for preschool teachers. It's just unbelievable because I cannot take that kind of stimulus because there were always kids wanting or needing something and there were always three of them or four of them who needed something and trying to balance all that and make sure that Johnny wasn't jumping off the table and doing six other things was hard for me to keep track of. So those children, while they were just being kids and they were really good kids, tended to to add a little bit more stress because I felt the responsibility for making sure that everything ran really smoothly. So I probably exuded a little bit more of an aura of stress than I normally do when it's just a couple of kids. So being self-aware. When you're in a relationship, be aware of how you impact your friend or your significant other or your kids but also how they impact you. Do they bring a smile to your face or do they make you cringe and go, really, we're going to spend the whole evening together? Okay. Um, something to be aware of. When people are talking, pay attention with interest and curiosity and don't multitask. You know, put the phone down. Quit watching TV. And try not to drift. Sometimes it's hard if somebody is going on about something and your mind may go somewhere else. Notice it, be aware of it, and bring yourself back to the present and try to stay focused on what the person is saying. If that means you've got to paraphrase a little more often, summarize what they're saying in order to stay engaged in the conversation, then do so. And please stay in the present. And listen to everything they have to say before you start planning your response. Because if you start trying to answer, it's like being on Jeopardy and ringing the bell before Alex gets halfway through the question and hoping that you're going to have the right response. Don't play Jeopardy with your friendships. Focus on those around you. 
it's important to be aware of what's going on inside you but it's also be important to be open to the situation and noticing what's going on if you're in a group of people whether it's a family gathering or you know you're just at home with your spouse and kids and dogs practice openness to the situation just noticing what's going on without latching on I liken it to being a secret service agent kind of standing at the door and just noticing everything you know if something a little wonky starts happening or you notice it then you're gonna latch on to that but being aware notice the happy people notice the angry people you know whatever this will help you be more in tune with what people need we tend to notice people who are in a similar mood so if you are at a party or in some sort of a group gathering actively try to notice people who are in the opposite mood and you're like so if I'm happy I'm supposed to notice people who are not happy and I would say yeah try to notice people who are maybe struggling a little bit because if you're happy you might be able to make their day um, but if you're not in a good mood if you notice people who are happy you might kind of have some of their happiness rub off on you be open to new information if something happens especially something unpleasant theorize three alternatives to why that might have happened if somebody is unpleasant to you if somebody takes your parking space or cuts you off in traffic or um, I don't know whatever irritates you theorize three alternatives were they trying to be a jerk or did they not notice you were they in a hurry because they had to get their kid to soccer you know there are all kinds of explanations we don't necessarily know why people do say or behave the way they do unless we okay here's a concept ask I know it, it's shocking actually ask somebody what they were thinking um, but it helps when you're trying to be mindful and open lines of communication to communicate let go of judgmental thoughts about others sometimes people are cranky unpleasant um, my grandfather God love him um, was in World War two and had uh, he was in a ship that got bombed and the ship sank he got hit on the head with a piece of the ship and it fractured his skull they put in a metal plate you know this was back a long long time ago before we had really good techniques so nobody ever really took that into account when they wondered why he was always so irritable well you know what with a 60 year old metal plate in my head after the trauma of being on a ship that was blown up I think he was entitled to be a little bit grumpy sometimes um, so try to imagine what it's like in their mind instead of going well he's just unpleasant to be around think you know that must be pretty awful to live with that constant pain and those memories that are haunting you um, and that can be true for just about anyone it's not just soldiers from World War two uh, so try not to assume you know why people are in a bad mood or that they're doing it to be ugly um, think about what's the motivation we only do things that are beneficial and when we have two choices you know be nice or be cranky um, we choose what has the most reward so why is it in what way is being cranky the most rewarding to that person and a lot of times it comes down to it pushes people away and it protects them and you know it's just an outpouring of the anger and stuff they've got all bottled up inside that they may not know what to do with so try to explore their perspective
Your relationships with yourself and others should be nurtured with the give principle. Be gentle. Don't attack people or yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be interested in what others have to say. Validate not only your own feelings and thoughts and needs, but that of the people that you are in relationships with. And try to have an easy manner. Don't make relationships just this constant struggle and stress. Remain mindful, not of only of how others impact you, but how you impact others. And it may not be, you know, really, like I said, anything to do with you as a person. It may be because of your job title or, you know, who knows. But you could be seen as intimidating or scary or something to other people. Or you could just be seen as really, really obnoxiously enthusiastic before eight in the morning, which would be me too. Stay focused on the present moment. What happened in the past can't be changed. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. But if you can enjoy and appreciate the person in the present moment, then you're going to have that moment of happiness. Be open to new information. I encourage you to try to learn something new or get a new perspective from every interaction that you have. And that can be challenging sometimes. 